Leviticus chapter 19, verses 26 through 32. Do not eat any meat with the blood still in it. Do not practice divination or seek omens. Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip the edges of your beard. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Do not degrade your daughter by making her a prostitute or the land will turn to prostitution and be filled with wickedness. Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord, your God. Stand up in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. Please be seated. So... I want to start by saying that there's a, there's a thing today that I'm absolutely not supposed to say anything about. So this is me not saying anything about it. We have a picture, actually, I think that will... Isn't that a good picture? <laughs> My wife is sitting in the balcony, just in case that becomes relevant at any point here in the next few minutes, but... But uh, uh, this, the person that is involved in this thing I'm not supposed to say anything about doesn't want anyone to make a fuss, so I'm not going to say a single word about it. <laughs> and I'm definitely not going to ask you to do anything in the greeting line after service, because that would just be going too far, and I would never say anything like that either. Happy birthday, Lisa. She sat all the way up in the balcony, I think, hoping that she wouldn't get uh, attention drawn to her. And I think we've just proven that next time she should just give up and come sit in the front like usual. So I'd like to tell you a story. Uh, there was a young man, and he went into a tattoo parlor, and he asked the gentleman there to give him a tattoo. Now, this young man, he had just become a Christian, and so he was very excited to express his faith in a way that would really get people's attention. So he goes into the tattoo artist and he says, I'd like you to give me a tattoo of a Bible verse. The tattoo artist said, Sure, do you have a specific one in mind? The young man, the new Christian, he said, Well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty new to this. Um, I'm not picky. Just, just make sure it's a good one. Now, the tattoo artist really wanted to, to help this young man, and so he didn't, he didn't push too hard here, but the only problem is there was only one Bible verse that he knew really, really well. And so he gave him a tattoo of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 28. Leviticus 19, 28. The young man was so excited to get the Bible verse. I wonder what happened when he went home and looked it up, and he read... Do not cut your bodies or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. 
Now, I don't know for sure that this story is true, but if it is, I imagine that this was not the powerful witness for Jesus that he was hoping it would be. Now, we've all heard that the Bible says we shouldn't get tattoos, and that's just one of the many things that the Bible, and the book of Leviticus in particular, says about our bodies. This morning, I want to look at some of these things that the Bible says about your body. And our sentence summary this morning is something that I really want you to hear. And it's this. Your body is a gift, a living promise from God for the age to come. For those that like to write these down, I'll say that again. Your body is a gift, a living promise from God for the age to come. So today, we're talking about our bodies, and I'd like to start at the beginning. In the beginning, when God created the world and everything in it, he saved his most prized creation for last. On the sixth day, he created human beings, and the Bible says that he made them in his image. Now, we don't have time to talk about all the things that in his image means, but part of it is that we are able to create like he can. Whether we're creating a painting, or a sculpture, or a table, or a story, or a lesson, or anything else, that ability to create is part of what it means to be made in his image. And to do any of it, to be able to create in any way at all, we need a body. Whether it's to hold a brush, or swing a hammer, or speak, we use our body in every single act of creation. Your body is a gift of God, a gift from God that makes you able to create, to make something that was not there before. Now, of course, we can't create anything without his help, without his involvement at every single step. But we are unique among his creatures because we're capable of looking at raw materials, picturing what we want to do with them, and creating something bringing something new to life. And that's amazing. Human beings are amazing. No other creature is capable of the things that we are. And here's another thing that's amazing about our bodies. We know that God created the natural world we see around us. Everything that's physical, he made. But he also made spiritual beings. He made the angels. And when he did that, he basically made two worlds. There's the physical world with dirt and mud and flowers and the sun. And there's heaven where spiritual creatures live. And nothing overlaps between the two. Nothing is both physical and spiritual except for you and me. Human beings are made with a foot in both worlds. We are physical and we have a spirit. It's in us and only in us out of all creation that the physical and spiritual worlds are brought together in this way. And that is pretty amazing. Now, it's impossible for us to know how exactly human beings would have used this wonderful gift of a body if we'd continued on as he originally made us to. Because we didn't. We sinned and we fell. And when sin entered the world, it didn't take long for human beings to discover that like everything else that has a body... We're capable of destruction and not just creation. 
Now, before we jump into Leviticus chapter 19, I want to remind you of something that Pastor Ben said last week. Clean and unclean things in the Bible are, are clean and unclean in the Bible are categories that do not translate into good and evil. A thing is unclean when it's come into contact with death or one of the henchmen of death, whether chaos or darkness or disease and so on. When a person is clean, that means they're fit to approach a holy God, to be filled up, so to speak, with life. Because God is the source of life. And because of that, you cannot bring something touched by death near to him. So in Leviticus 19, in our passage this morning, we find God giving his people all kinds of rules for how they're to use their bodies, to help them remain the vessels of creative life that they're supposed to be, and how to keep them from being polluted by death. Now some of these rules are about clean versus unclean, and some of them are about sin and holiness, but all of them are about the body. In our passage this morning is a list of ten commands from God. And while the rules don't apply to us today on this side of the cross, they tell us something about how God views our body and how he wants us to view it as well. So first, our passage today, one of the things that I see in it about our bodies or our lives is God tells us our life is precious and we should not waste it. Your life is precious. Don't waste it. In Leviticus 17.11, we're told that the life of a creature is in its blood. And so there are these rules to protect your body, which carries within it the good and precious life that has been given to you by God. He says, don't cut your bodies, because if you harm yourself in that way, you're literally spilling out the life that God has given you. Your body is important, and you should not harm it. That's even the purpose behind the command to not cut your hair or trim your beard. In the same way that blood was, or in a similar way, hair was seen as a sign of life. Cutting it unnecessarily would be a waste of the gift of life that God has given you. So your life is precious. Don't waste it. The second thing here is that your body is not meant to serve death's henchmen. Your body is not meant to serve death's henchmen. One of the things associated with death throughout the Bible and throughout our world today is idolatry. God is the source of life, and anything that is trying to compete with him is a henchman of death. God cares deeply about protecting his people from the evil spirits that desire to harm them, and so he warns repeatedly not to give our allegiance to any other god and not to give anything a higher allegiance than we give to him. And so he says, do not practice divination or seek omens. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists. In other words, don't look for spiritual power from anyone but me, because I'm the only source of life. And he says, don't put tattoo marks on yourselves. Now, I know that many of you here do not like tattoos. And I imagine that some of you here have used this verse as a reason to tell someone else to not get a tattoo. Forgive me, but that actually doesn't work. And that's for a few reasons. The first and most important is that on this side of the cross, these rules do not hold us. We're in a different covenant 
This one has been fulfilled by Jesus, and we do not have to follow a rule just because it can be found in the book of Leviticus. The other reason is because tattoos in the ancient world were an act of worship. Pagan gods wanted to mark those who belonged to them, and tattoos were a way of saying, I belong to Molech, or Baal, or Dagon, or whomever. God does not ask us for that kind of a mark. He doesn't tell us to get a tattoo, and he forbade them because they were connected to other gods. So parents, you don't have to let your children get tattoos. You're the parent, and until they become an adult, you're able to make that decision for them. And your concerns are good, because if you get a tattoo you'll regret, you're, well, you're going to have that, that regret forever. We saw a picture of a person who I imagine regretted their tattoo for a very, very long time. But, so long as they're not intending to declare their allegiance to Molech, then the Bible doesn't forbid them from getting one. And adults... That means that if you have a tattoo, and I know that some of you do, and you hide it because you feel like people at church will judge you for breaking a Bible verse, you can have peace because it isn't wrong to have one. Adults, also, I want to say this, and I know that I'm sure this is just a big group of you in here. If the only reason you haven't gotten a tattoo is because of this verse, well, be blessed, go nuts. Just make good decisions. So you're not to give your body, use your body for the henchmen of death. And the third thing I see in our passage today is this. Your life is important. So stay close to the source of life. Your life is important. So stay close to the source of life. This is about holiness. Several of the rules in this passage are about holiness. It's about a respect for the body as a sign of life and a promise from God. And so God tells his people to treat their bodies well. So he, forget, he forbids prostitution. He commands rest. And he encourages a respect for the elderly. It's interesting, when you look at the way the Bible talks about those who are older, it's so, so different from our culture's perspective. We tend to think that younger is better, newer is better. And we tend to really struggle with, with things as we ourselves move on in life. We're not going to go too deep into this now. We are going to return to it. But I do want to say this. If you find yourself feeling as though something is wrong with you because you've gotten older, that that's bad in some way. The Bible does not share that sentiment at all. In fact, every single time age is spoken of in Scripture, it's positive, not negative. The Bible and our view do not look the same on this issue at all. And if you're struggling with advanced age, I want to tell you the Bible says that wisdom that the holiness that comes from walking with God for longer, that those are good, precious things. So, your body's a gift. It's a good thing. It's a blessing. And on this side of the cross, that blessing is even greater than it was for those that were, being, were reading the book of Leviticus for the first time. All those rules about staying away from the henchmen of death, they don't apply to you and I anymore because God has overcome death. 
In fact, bodies are so wonderful that God even put one on. Through Jesus Christ coming, through his living and dying and being raised from the dead, death has been defeated. As the Apostle Paul says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Because of Jesus, your body cannot be polluted in a way that makes you unfit to approach God. To God, it has been declared clean. Now, that does not mean that it does not matter what you do with it. That does not mean that you ought to use it for idolatry. Sin is still sin, but the pollution, the unclean part of all of this is over for you and I. Your body is not unclean. Your body in no way is bad. And that's a very, very important thing for us to wrestle with and realize. One of the things that we do badly sometimes in the church is we, to encourage a certain kind of behavior, we take a very negative approach that has consequences that are not intended. Here's what I mean. Because we want to value certain things, like the physical intimacy that comes with marriage. And because we want to encourage people to avoid it, we take this idea that it's bad, or it's negative, or it's to be stayed away from, or feared, or loathed. And we tell that to our children over and over and over and over again. It's bad. It's wrong. And then when they get married, we expect a switch to flip. Now they just realize that it's good, and that message that they heard over and over and over again that it's bad is just supposed to go away. And for some, that's easy. For some, they don't struggle with that. But for so, so many, they've just taken in a message that was never meant to be communicated, that they were never meant to be told. Instead, what we need to do is we need to talk about the goodness of that intimacy and to talk about the goodness of it being in the appropriate time within the covenant of marriage. It is a good thing, but it's a good thing to wait for. And if we can't decide to stop encouraging a, a bad view, a negative view, a disgusted view of it early on, we're going to see more and more people telling us that they're having a hard time when they get into marriage just flipping that switch. And that's on us to do and on us to do differently. The reason for that is because one of the things we communicate without meaning to is that our bodies are bad. We tend to think of it that way. Your body can harm the people around you by making them struggle or stumble. And so we communicate this idea that it's, that it's negative, that it's wrong, that it's bad. And we communicate a, a negative self-image. Hear me, I think as a church we need to do better. We need to make sure that the people around us are never, never made to think, never made to believe that their body is bad because other people may stumble. The flaw is in the people that stumble. It's in the infection of sin in them, not in a person's body. So if you need to hear this today, I want you to. Your body is a gift. It's a blessing. It's a good thing. It's not bad. It's important for us to know, for us to realize, and for us to remember. Your body is a gift. It's a promise from God for the age to come.
Now, I said at the beginning, your body's this living promise. And I want to tell you exactly what that means. What the Bible is pointing to with all these rules in Leviticus about how to protect your body for life and to keep it away from death. At the end, when Jesus comes for the final time, heaven and earth will come together like they were always meant to. And when that happens, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And on that glorious day, we're going to be given a remarkable gift. We'll receive a resurrection body. Now, we get a picture of what exactly that looks like in the stories of Jesus after his resurrection, in his resurrection body. And it's remarkable in so many ways. And the clearest description we get of what our resurrection bodies will be like is in 1 Corinthians 15, which I just so wanted to read, but it's like 70 verses long, and I, I just didn't want to do that to you. Instead, I'm going to summarize it. In the same way that people were able to recognize Jesus, not at first, but eventually, your new body will look similar to the one that you have now. The body you have now is a seed. That body will be the tree. The body you have now is a promise. That body will be the fulfillment. And our new bodies will dwell on a world that has been made new. We'll see the ones that we have loved and have lost, and we will be able to embrace them. We will worship God in the way that we were always meant to. You see, we're the only creatures that are both physical and spiritual, and in that day, those two worlds will become one. God will dwell among us, and we will be with him forever. We should care for our bodies because they're gifts. They're temples of the Holy Spirit. They're a small foretaste of the blessing that is to come. A lot of the time, they don't work the way that we wish they would. Can anyone say amen to that? Because of our bodies, we can experience hunger and pain and sickness, but we are not meant to fear those things. We're not meant to fear the day when we cannot work like we used to. We're not meant to fear the day when our strength fails us and when our bodies feel like traps instead of gifts. Because even in those moments, the promise is clearer than ever before. This body is the seed, not the tree. God has promised us a body that we will be empowered, that will be empowered by God's Holy Spirit, that will never wear out, that will never fail us. It's a body that will forever be able to live and to laugh and to run and to worship the incredible God that made us. And God knew, I think, that human beings would have hard times. And so he gave us this gift, the body. It allows us to create as he does. When we're young, it allows us to experience joy and life and energy and vigor in a special and wonderful kind of way. But because there were going to be hard times, he gave us these bodies as a promise. He tells us to cling to him and avoid anything that would pull our hearts away from him because he is the source of life. And the promise that is always with us is that one day we will dwell with him in the garden forever.
And so as you think about your body, as you think about it being the seed, and you think about the time that the seed will be gone and the tree will be in its place, of the many people that you will joyfully run to embrace, the hugs that might be waiting for you on that side of this life, the joys of standing together and singing Amazing Grace as we did today in a completely different way, of worshiping Him as we were made to always worship Him. When you think about your body, remember the promise that's present in it at all times, when it's the way you want it to be and when it isn't, that you were made for the life with God that is to come. Father God, we come before you thankful for blessings. We thank you for the gift and the promise that you have given us. Lord, we see in your word that you tell us over and over again to care for this blessing that we have, that you care about how we use it and how we treat it. Lord, help us to honor you with our bodies, to remember that it is a temple of your Holy Spirit. And help us to remember, always to remember, Lord, that this body given to us is a promise that points forward to the day that we will dwell again with you. We pray these things in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.